He wasn't even in your own testicle, you shot and killed his brother. He was transporting a witness. He wasn't even in the district. That's even his fucking district. That's not even your district. It wasn't even the big district. You stopped and interfered. You put witnesses in danger by stopping. It could have been an ambush. You put the witnesses in danger. Are you writing him up? I'm Flood the Drummer, and you're listening to Drumming for Justice. You believe this witness is credible? I have no reason not to okay. at this point in time. I mean, I, I don't know the person, so it's, it's difficult for me to say credible, not credible, okay. other than basically them saying what they're saying. Um, but uh, I do know it was a man, man of color. Mm-hmm. What's up, everybody? I'm Flood the Drummer, and this is the first episode in a special week-long series looking at the David Jones shooting, which occurred on June 8th of 2017. It has been by far the most high-profile police shooting the city has seen in years, in large part due to the gunman, former Philadelphia police officer Ryan Pownow, being indicted last week for murder. He's being held without bail. The audio you heard at the top of the show was from a June 19th early evening protest that became the first of many at the 15th Police District, where Mr. Pownow used to work. The other clip was from a private meeting with Police Commissioner Richard Ross, which occurred earlier that same day, June 19th. Both clips referred to the eyewitness of the David Jones shooting, a brave black man and father known in the public only as Terrence. Terrence changed the narrative when he disclosed his side of the story to me exclusively in late June. He contradicted much of what the police and the media first reported. In a way, He's the star of this whole scenario, and without him, it's unclear whether an indictment would have ever materialized. Today, Ike Raw, founder of the Justice for David Jones Coalition, and I will reflect on Terrence's contribution to the movement, as well as how he ended up in the car with Ryan Pownow in the first place. To aid this discussion, I'll be using the investigative grand jury presentment, which was unsealed last Monday. This is the story of the man who saw it all. Ike Raw, welcome back to Drumming for Justice. What up, Fred? What's going on? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Of course, man. So look, this is a monumental week. It's the 10th of September today, and, and we're doing a five-part series leading up to, of course, on Friday, which is the preliminary hearing for Ryan Pownow, uh, the cop or former cop who shot and killed David Jones last June. And so today, you and I are going to discuss and talk about the witness and everything uh, pertaining to what happened before and after uh, he disclosed his side of the story. And we're going to end at, right at the point of the shooting, okay? And then tomorrow, we'll jump into the shooting. But we want to be able to piece this piece by piece because, as you know, you've been there since the beginning, too. There's so much to discuss, and there's so much that kind of went under... Um, under uh, underrepresented in the conversation in the mainstream, wouldn't you agree? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely after I watched the uh, press conference that the FOB had, you know, trying to see what happened that day and everything, which was a total lie. 
So let's start from the beginning of that day. Uh, the witness, at first, I, I think we should just acknowledge the witness, uh, Terrence, who's only been known as Terrence, is a very, very brave man. And uh, I want to tell you something, Ike, that I haven't disclosed to anybody publicly. Um, I had this conversation with, with Arthur, my business partner, you know, as we were preparing to take Terrence public. And I told him, and he told me, he said, look, I'll do this. I'll come forward. I'll tell my side of the story if I know you're going to be there the whole way and if I know you're going to protect me and my family. And I was like, at that time, and even still, it was such a big task to take on because now it's not just your life you worried about in these streets, but you got a, a family man, his kids, who's like putting his trust in his life in you and saying, look, I, I've never done this before. I don't know anything about the news business or the activism business. I don't really have any connections, but I'm willing to come out, put myself on the line if you take that risk with me, that was a big moment for me back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot, a lot of people don't understand how serious it is when you just say that you have a father with his children who's simply telling you, I will help you guys out. I will help you get justice, but I have to make sure that you will be there with me every step of the way for whatever reason. He knows what's going on in the city. He don't trust the police. He doesn't trust, you know, the, the, the people that get involved when, you know, you got to step up and say a oh, police did something wrong. So that's it's very real. Yeah. And come to find out the witness lives not far from you. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we chopped it up and everything like that. I mean, we, yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot that goes on with the flood that a lot of people don't understand. Like this man seeing what happened, you know what I mean? His kids were there and, you know, we're going to get into everything that, you right. know. So let's, let's actually, let's just jump in it. Let's talk about how they got to see, because again, we're going to, that's where we're going to leave off that. But, but, you know, he, so here you have this father. He's in the house, Terrence, and uh, they're cleaning up. The wife is at work, and they, have, they, they send the son to go throw something in the trash out in the back, uh, I believe is the story. Um, and they, after a while, they realize he hadn't come back up. So they go downstairs to, you know, where, back in the Northeast, they have those, those, those kind of like houses where you share a driveway and share like a, a backyard. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, a driveway, and, everybody put their trash out in the back. Right, right. So the, the, the kid went back there to put the trash out and was abducted. And uh, not unbeknownst to the father, who didn't realize he was missing for, you know, a couple minutes, I believe. It's been a while since I've told this particular story, but the... the the nuts and grains is that these, the kid went out to go throw something in the trash and was abducted and was taken to some house uh, and, 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 and found his way back home, escaped out of the car and made his way back home. Right now, the father's on the phone with his, his, his wife and he's trying to figure out how do I tell her that the goddamn son is missing, right? So he tells her she's missing. She says, stop playing. You play too much. He's like, no, this is real. And as they're willing to, as they get ready to go call the police, the son comes around the corner, right? Because the car that they were in pulled up in front of a house, and the two guys who were in it got out of the car, did something, and as soon as he got out, those two men got out, the child saw his window and bolted, right? So they, the, the, the kid comes back to the, to the block where his house is, and the father says, you know, what happened? Where you been at? We was looking for you. Long story short, he tells her what happened. They call the police. The police come and respond to this, right? Now this is a special, you know, special victims case. And they're all, you know, the cops are all in front of the house. Well, one of the captains, somebody in leadership on that block said, okay, we're going to send you guys to special victims unit. And 
they put him with Ryan Pownow because according to testimony, Ryan Pownow was driving the bigger car that day that could accommodate the family. And, and that's where that story begins. So, I mean, before we even go any further, that's some serious trauma that this guy is dealing with even before we get to the shooting. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you laid it out like that, Flood, because, yes, a lot of people probably going to listen to this podcast and say, well, wait a minute. How come we never heard of this? Mm. Right. This is what we've been saying since June 8th, 2017. It's more to the story. It's a lot that goes on. But this is just the beginning. Like Flood said, you have a young boy who was kidnapped. He was taken, taken, put in Mm -hmm. the car, put in the car, gone from his family for minutes. People who listen, you have children. I have children. So just imagine that. Mm. Your son is taken away. Okay, your son comes back. You call the police, and then you get into the car. Supposed to be going to the SVU unit, mm-hmm. and then flood. You can take it from there. Well, I mean, I, 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 before we even move further, how, how how did you take in that information when you know when you found out not just the shooting, but that there were people in the car and that two of them were kids? I mean, how did that you know kind of coincide with with, with your feelings and and the way you were looking at the case? That added to my outrage for a lot of people who understand why I was so outspoken, mm. why I was so, you know what I mean, mad and upset is because I know a lot of things that went on that a lot of you probably weren't privy to. And mm-hmm. that's why. So and people have to understand. That's why we have the passion that we do. Flood, you seen them face to face. You talk to them. I've talked to them as well. And mm-hmm. when you look a father in his eyes, I'm a father. Yeah. When you look a father in his eyes and he tell you, I am scared for my life. I am scared for my children but I want justice for David Jones because what happened was not right. So people have mm-hmm. to understand that. First of all, before we even get to David Jones, we're talking about these two children, mm-hmm. his, son, who's, his son who was taken away from him. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason that Ryan Powell now entered this. That's the only reason right. Ryan Powell now was called. So people got to understand that. This was the 15th police district where this young man was kidnapped from, the mm-hmm. 15th police district in Frankfurt. So that's what happened. That's what led Ryan Powell now to this family. Mm-hmm. So people have to understand that these are children that the son was kidnapped. People, let that sink in. Think mm-hmm. about it. I know mm-hmm. a lot of you think, think about what you would do as you, as, as, as in your house if you send your kid to take something out in the trash. Five minutes later, you realize he ain't come back, and then you realize he's gone. Right, and now you're trying to figure out how to reconcile that and how to call your spouse and I, I'm, I'm all the emotions that he must have been going through. Flood. I'm a father. My son just recently started taking out the trash a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And it's just it's just so ironic because he came to me this morning. He said, Dad, you want me to take the trash out? He took the trash out this morning. But, you know, the way that we live, when he comes down, go through the basement, he take it out. Our, our driveway is right there where I could watch him. I could look out the window and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But you, you never know. What if I'm not here one day? And he said, well, you know, it's my job to take the trash out. He takes the trash out by himself. I'm not here. And his mom is upstairs doing something else. And mm-hmm. then something happens to him. So, mm-hmm. yes, I was thinking about all that at the time. And People got to understand when you talk about children, that is something that's very serious to me. I take that very seriously because when someone preys on children and does stuff to children, God knows what they would do to someone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let me read a little bit from the grand jury findings um, that, that talks about what we're talking about. Um, this is the summary of the grand jury's findings that was released uh, last Monday, actually, a week ago today. Um, uh, so pound now. Uh, a 15th district officer was transporting witness three. Now, this is how Terrence is identified throughout this grand jury document as witness three. Uh, Pownow, a 15th district officer, 
was transporting Witness 3 and his two children to the Special Victims Unit to be interviewed regarding a crime committed against his son, uh, his young son. Uh, and before I move forward, I asked um, Terrence about that ride. I said, what was it like? What was, you know, Panow's disposition and behavior before seeing David Jones on that bicycle? And, and he said, he said he was normal. He was quiet. They weren't really talking. He, he was just, he was just doing the drive. And they got to, um, and, and now I'm reading from the, uh, the document again, according to Witness 3, Panow said, look at this motherfucker, referring to Jones. Jones, meanwhile, was now walking the bike back from Whitaker Avenue further into the Casa de Espanana lot. Um, and let me take you to the beginning just so people have a little bit of context. On June 8, 2017, David Jones was riding his dirt bike in the Juanita section of Philadelphia around I Street and Huntington Park. Witnesses 1 and 2, because this is also a really important part of the uh, story, Ike. Witnesses 1 and 2 are identified... They were the two police officers who were ahead of Pownow, who saw David Jones and didn't see a need to stop him, right? So again, this is all proceeding to the shooting. Around I Street and Huntington Park, witnesses one and two on their way to deliver paperwork to another officer saw Jones some car limps ahead of their patrol car. Despite seeing Jones committing traffic violations, the officers did not stop him to issue tickets or otherwise deal with Jones's behavior. Shortly after those officers passed Jones, former Philadelphia police officer Ryan Pownow pulled up to the traffic light and also saw Jones. While stationary at the traffic light, Pownow observed Jones cross Whitaker Avenue, drive over empty lanes of traffic, and pull into the parking lot of Casa de Espana, a nightclub not yet open for the evening. So, so th that's also a part people don't realize is people say, well, Pownow saw David Jones doing something illegally. Yeah, probable cause to stop him. There were two officers identified as witness one and two who also saw Jones and did not see probable cause to do anything. Right. Let me let, let me put this in the in the in the in the, pro, in the in the proper context for the idiots who's been saying stuff like this. Okay. Ryan Powell now is a 15th police district officer. The SVU unit is in the 25th police district. Who those two officers who Flood just mentioned? That is their district. So mm. they have they have the right if they felt as though David Jones was doing something wrong. That's why they were mentioned because they didn't feel as though David Jones was doing anything wrong in their district. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. why they did not approach him or stop him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be understood for everyone who, who who doesn't understand the story and doesn't know the story. Two police officers in that district, which was the 25th police district, they saw David Jones. Didn't think David Jones was doing anything wrong. Didn't see him as a problem or anything. Mm -hmm. Let him do. Let him do exactly what Ryan Powell now saw him doing. The exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Ryan Powell now, who had the father in the back seat with his two children, decided that the children's situation did not matter. What happened to Terrence's son was not that important. Mm -hmm. He had to see what David Jones was doing. So just and let that were, And now we're around the corner from SVU. He literally could have dropped them off and went back. And David Jones probably would have still been there. The, um, SV, the SVU unit flood is on front in Huntington Park. Mm -hmm. David Jones was murdered on Whitaker in Huntington Park. It's about a, a, a 40 second drive away. Mm. He was 40 seconds to the SVU unit. Mm. See, I don't think, you know, the way we're having this discussion, you know, you can't, it's not possible to put this type of information in a 30 second newscast or a 12 to 15 minute radio segment. 
people, I don't think, have been really grasping the chain of causation, right? Everything that led up to that shooting. There was so much convoluted bullshit and inappropriateness that led up to that shooting. Absolutely. And that's what needs to be talked about. Just like you said, you can't just go by what you hear on a 40-second news clip or 10-minute interview because even if you give people time on the radio, they're still going to dance around the, you know, the real issue. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing about Terrence, again, identified as witness three in the grand jury documents, he has been consistent, so consistent, so spot on from day one, from the moment he told me his story, he's been really, really consistent. And this document proves it because he told me in my first uh, interview with him, he remembers seeing David Jones too. And he remembers seeing the cops a couple cars in front of Pow Now. And he kept saying, even during the encounter, what was your problem, Pow Now? And he never said this to him, but this is what he's saying to himself. What was your problem with David Jones that wasn't the other officers? Mm -hmm. And that's what John McNesby, head of the FOP, and Fortunato Perry, um, uh, Pow Now's lawyer, and the critics, that's what they won't address, is that Pow Now had no probable cause to stop him because the officers who were in that district, whose district it is to patrol that, did not see reason to stop him. And because he was on a patrol, I talked to Richard Ross, the police commissioner, on June 19th of last year following the shooting. And he said, I wish Pat and I would have just let it go. That it was a minor motor vehicle violation. If it was a robbery in progress, if it was a rape or something, then yeah, but it was a it was a minor motor vehicle violation. And, and to, to, you know, to be fair, David Jones was riding a bike that is illegal in the city of Philadelphia. But they're not supposed to pursue those bikes either. You understand? Exactly. Let, so, let people people got to understand this too, Flood. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a traffic stop. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. When they had the press conference, the FOP, they're trying to paint the picture like Ryan Powell now didn't have two children and a father in the back seat. Like this was a traffic stop in his district. It was right. not. It was not, ladies and gentlemen. It was not. That couldn't be more further from the truth. Mm -hmm. This was not a traffic stop. Mm -hmm. Just like Flood said, yes, David Jones is riding an illegal dirt bike. Yes, he was. But was he doing something so vicious that he had to die for it? Was he doing something so vicious that he even had to be pulled over for it? The question is no. I mean, mm. the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like those two officers thought, and just like Commissioner Ross said. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from the beginning, so, you know, this, the reason why I wanted to do this series, too, is to just, you know, not only put it in context, but to show the, uh, the depth of Ryan Pannell's bad judgment on that day, right? Because I don't know what the defense, well, I mean, I do know what the defense is going to portray this situation as and how they're going to position Ryan Powell now and how they're going to position David Jones. And you're, Ike, you already saw it, right? They're saying Powell, David Jones was a felon who had an illegal gun who was terrorizing the community. So they're already painting a picture of David. And I think that it's going to be the prosecution that they have to start in the way that you and I are starting, Ike, by saying, before we even get to the shooting, let me give you a pattern of bad judgment that this guy made on this day. Absolutely. And there, there's steps to this flood because, as we said, first of all, this was not a traffic stop. David Jones did not pull his firearm out on Ryan Powell now. Mm -hmm. David Jones ran from Ryan Powell now. He was running from Ryan Powell now while those two children and their father were still in Ryan Powell now's SUV. Ryan Powell now decided to shoot David Jones in the back. 
Ryan Powell now did this. It was not a traffic stop. David Jones, yes, he was on an illegal dirt bike. Yes, they said he had a firearm on him. But at the time that he was shot, he did not have a firearm on him. Ryan yeah. Palm now knew that at the time, as so, the, as they had, you know they they said in the, in the in the grand jury. So you know one of the things that was interesting about the witness to me is the witness was a game changer. You know because the police had their narrative baked in. They were saying even the witness was saying no. You know because they wanted they kept trying to say, um, you know, uh, uh, David Jones was reaching for his gun. The officer felt threatened. Even the witness was telling him not to reach for the gun. Do you remember that when it when they kept saying, "Don't do it, bro. Don't do it." Fleck, you know? I'm glad you brought that up. Ross said, "I'm glad you brought that up." Fleck, please give me one minute on this real quick because I forgot all about that. I'm glad you brought that up because people were saying in the beginning, "Oh, the witness said no." There was never a witness. It was allegedly some man walking past said he seen it too, and they were saying the witness, and everybody was thinking it was Terrence. No, the witness Terrence who was right there. Right next to Ryan Pondout, never told uh, uh, David Jones, don't do it, bro, don't do it. No, that, no, 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 he did, but uh, that's how... No, 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 I'm talking about, no, 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 let me finish, Flood. I'm talking about, because they trying to say, like, he said, don't do it, like, don't pull out your gun. Well, he was saying, don't do it, like, yo, don't resist, like, it's chill, right. like, don't do right, it, like, right. that, that's what I'm saying. Exactly, people, exactly. Right, people thinking, like, David Jones was pulling out his gun, and he was saying, don't do it, bro, don't pull out your gun. No, that's not what he was saying. He was just saying, don't do it, what, because, as Flood told you, when Ryan Pownall first pulled up, he said, look at this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So the, ter- the terrorist, the witness, already knows that he probably has bad intentions. So he's letting David Jones know, bro, look, don't even do it, bro. Just, right. just listen to him, find out what's going on. Look, I've been there before, so I know what he's hold, saying. Hold right there. Hold right there. Because it's important to notice, to note what you're saying is that's how close Terrence was to the struggle. Exactly. Where he could say to David, Hey, don't do it, bro. Not yelling like, hey, man, chill. Like, no, but like, yo, bro, don't do it, bro. Like, just looking out the window and being like, yo, bro, don't do it. That's how close Ryan Panow put two children and a father to this struggle where, where two people had a gun, to a potential exactly. gunfight. Again, another case of bad judgment. And that, Ike, that was one of the reasons why uh, the witness came forward is he kept seeing on the news. He was like, I never told him not to reach for a gun. He wasn't right. reaching for a gun. He was like, now you're putting words in my mouth, and I want to tell my side of the story. I was telling him, don't do it, bro, as in don't struggle with them, because right. there was a struggle. And no one, right. no one has said that David Jones didn't struggle with Ryan Pownow. He did, because he didn't understand what was happening, because according to the witness, Terrence, witness number three, Ryan Pownow, and I'm going to read this, you know, straight from the grand jury's, um, straight from the grand jury's uh, report, Pownow exited his patrol, his patrol car leaving witness three and the children in the backseat and approached Jones. Pownow frisked Jones and felt a firearm. While details about what happened next vary, all party agrees that some sort of physical scuffle or altercation ensued between Pownow and Jones. Now, what, according to witness three, again, who's been consistent throughout the process, Ryan Pownow never even got out of his car and identified himself uh, uh, and why he was pulling him over, why he was stopping him. He literally just said, I'm taking your shit. Right, and that's what needs to be understood out here. People, do you understand? It was not a traffic stop. It was an angry police officer who just decided he seen a black man on a dirt bike and wanted to take his shit. This had nothing to do with David Jones breaking any rules or any laws or anything. He saw a black man on a dirt bike and wanted to take it. As Flood just said, he didn't get out get out the car and say, hey, listen, you just uh, went in a different lane of traffic. You didn't, you 
that had returned signal or something like that, or this is an illegal dirt bike. He just got out and wanted to be confrontational. Mm-hmm. We all know I, I'm a black man. We know how black men are. What do you want, officer? What the fuck am I doing? Why is you fucking with me? Mm-hmm. And that's what Terrence said. No, bro, bro, don't just chill, bro. Just chill. He wasn't telling him, don't pull out your gun. He was just saying, bro, don't even do it. Like, just talk to him and see what's going on. And to Brian your point, IP, yeah. to your point, um, and, uh, and I'm turning the page on page four of the grand jury report to the testimony, this is important to, uh, uh, um, n- n- it wasn't a traffic stop because the officers uh, in front of them, uh, in front of Pownow, never tried to attempt to stop Jones or issue any sort of ticket. And wow. Pownow never tried to issue a ticket. To your point, he didn't get out the car and say, listen, I'm missing you a citation. You're driving this illegal vehicle on the street. This is a warning. Well, you know, where, where are you going? You need to get there quickly. Say it again, Flood. Can you say that one more time? Sure. He didn't get out of his car and tell David Jones, listen, you're driving this dirt bike illegally on the street. I'm going to issue this citation or this fine, and you need to get wherever you're going quickly and then jump back in his car and drove 40 seconds the other way and drop those families off at SVU. Or could have just ignored David Jones altogether. But if you were going to confront him, then follow protocol, issue a ticket, issue a citation, issue a verbal warning, and keep fucking moving. Exactly. That's flood. At the end of the day, I've been saying this from day one. You've been saying this from day one. This whole issue was just to fuck with David Jones. He didn't right. get out and say, listen, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. No. His whole issue was, I'm taking your shit, as he told the fucking witness. So all you stupid motherfuckers who want to support this killer cop, you are fucking wrong because you right. don't know the facts of the case. That's, right. that's what happened. He, didn't, he wasn't trying to be a, a, a good police officer and do the right thing. He was trying to be a fucking deterrent to David Jones. He was trying to be aggressive to David Jones. He wanted to take his shit. What yeah. shit did he want to take? His life? His bike? He took both. Mm. Uh, now, now, to your point, talking about the facts of the case, uh, here's the testimony from, uh, from the witnesses, one, two, and three. Again, one and two are the officers. Uh, they say, um, when asked why they never stopped Jones, Witness two cited to a police directive that prohibited pursuit of such motorbikes. When pressed, he acknowledged that nothing prevented him and witness one from conducting a routine traffic stop to address motor vehicle violations. But neither officer felt a need to stop Jones. And here's the key part, because he wasn't engaged in any behavior that would have actually endangered anyone or truly merited their attention despite the descriptions of erratic driving. I'm gonna read that again. Thank you. The office, when asked why they never stopped Jones, witness two cited to a police directive that prohibited pursuit of such motorbikes. When pressed, he acknowledged that nothing prevented him and witness one from conducting a routine traffic stop to address motor vehicle violations, but neither officer felt a need to stop Jones because he wasn't engaged in any behavior that would have actually endangered anyone or truly merited their attention, despite the descriptions of erratic driving. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those are the two police officers who were in their right district. They were in the 25th district. Can you just imagine this, ladies and gentlemen? Whitaker and Park, okay? Imagine just walking up the street, you see two officers in the 25th. They ride past. You see David Jones on his dirt bike. He ride past. You see him. SUV unit come with Ryan Powell now with a 15th district number on it. You say, well, what is he doing out of his district? Maybe he's transporting somebody. He gets out and gets in a confrontation with David Jones. After the two officers in their district said, 
We could have stopped them. It was nothing. You know, we didn't have an emergency to go to or anything like that. We were just patrolling. We could have got out. It wasn't that big of a deal. He was just on his bike. So it wasn't that deep for us. That's basically what it boils down to. Flood. So, you know, to the, to the people who want to turn this into, oh, I backed the blue, then back those other two officers then. Why? Right? Because yes. you can't choose which officers. Because Ryan Panow is not a fucking cop anymore. See what I'm saying? So now let's really get down into it. If you're talking about I support the blue, and I stand with blue, and I believe the cops' versions of events, do you believe Ryan Pana, who's not a cop, or do you believe the two witnesses, one and two, who are Philadelphia police officers in the 25th district, who understood that there's a police directive that tells them not to pursue their bikes, who saw that despite David Jones driving erratically, he wasn't engaged in any behavior that would have endangered anyone, do you support those two officers too? The reason is people don't even know those two officers exist. Exactly. But now that you do, will you still support the blue? Will you support those two cops who said there was no reason to stop David Jones? Because now this ain't Flood the Drummer saying it. This ain't Ike Ross saying it. This isn't Reverend Harold Clay saying it or Asa Khalid. Will you support the two cops who are still employed by the Philadelphia Police Department? Will you support their events, their record of events? They testified before the grand jury. They testified against Ryan Pound now. That should tell you something. Say it again, Flood. They, they testified against Ryan Pound now. That should tell everybody all they need to know. And when a lot of people think that we just want to be making noise and saying shit just to try to be famous, be on the news. No, this is real. This is, this, is, this is very deep for him. It's very deep for me as well because we know the evidence. We know a lot of shit that a lot of people probably don't know. So mm -hmm. when we speak it and we're passionate about it, it's because shit that we know. Listen to the, what we're saying right now. This grand jury shit was uh, unsealed last Monday. Mm -hmm. two, two cops from the 25th district testified at the grand jury that there was no reason for Ryan Powell now to approach David Jones at all. And not just that. Let me move on to the number seven of the testimony uh, bullet point. It says not only did they have, and again, speaking of officer one and two, not only did they have no contact with Jones whatsoever, they never called into police radio to report his erratic driving. That's, that's, that's important. That means that what David Jones was doing was so inconsequential that they just said, ah, you know, he should be on that bike, but whatever. He's not bothering anybody. He's pulling into the lot. Let's move on. There's bigger things to do. You got to pick your battles wisely. You have to have good judgment. And officers one and two, for all of you guys who want to say we're anti-cop, not at all. Because officers one and two did the right thing on June 8, 2017. They showed discretion, which is a big part of the job. They had discretion. Like you said, nothing prevented them from pursuing Jones. It was just unnecessary. Right. They decided to let J David Jones live. And Ryan Powell now decided to kill David Jones. That's the difference. Just like he tried to kill Cardinal Williams Carney in July of 2010. For people who aren't familiar with, with who that is, give them, you know, a, a, a quick synopsis. Because, again, painting to this image of a guy with bad judgment. Tell people who Cardinal Williams Carney is. Cardinal Williams Carney is a, a black man uh, who was living in the city of Philadelphia at the time, uh, who was on Frankfurt Avenue. The, uh, I believe it was about the 5600 block of Frankfurt Avenue in July of 2010. Uh, he was approached by Ryan Powell and uh, Ryan Powell par partner. Uh, and Ryan Powell asked Williams Carney, uh, what is that in your hand? Uh, Williams Carney said, I don't have anything in my hand. Ryan Powell attempted to get out the car. William Carney ran. William Carney's 
Carnell Williams Carney was shot in his back uh, multiple times. Uh, he was paralyzed uh, on that date. He's been paralyzed ever since, uh, since July 2010. Mm. Uh, he sued Ryan Powell now civilly. Unfortunately, he lost the case. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia District Attorney's Office at that time uh, decided to not bring any charges against Ryan Powell now, stating that the shooting uh, was a justi justifiable shooting, stating that uh, Carnell Williams Carney had a firearm that he uh, tossed. Uh, Carnell Williams Carney sat in jail for two years after that and ended up ultimately beating the case. Uh, he never was convicted of possessing any gun or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to move down to another part of this um, another part of this grand jury document because this is, again, some stuff that I don't think people, I'm sure the average public hasn't read through this report, um, which, is, which is very thorough. So now we get to Witness 5, Ike. And Witness 5 is uh, another, another cop, right? So now we have a, a third cop testifying to the grand jury against Ryan Pana. Witness 5, upon questioning, confirmed that, per police directives, officers delivering witnesses to another district were not supposed to deviate from that assignment. I'll read it again. Witness 5, a police officer, said upon questioning, confirmed that per police directives, officers delivering witnesses to another district were not supposed to deviate from that assignment. So you have the officer who deviated from his assignment and then pursued a suspect that was unnecessary to pursue. All of this in the, in the course of, what, a half an hour. Yeah, not even that long, probably about 13 minutes. So, um, so, so there, there we have it. You know, I think that's, that's you know, that, that gets us to the, the confrontation of the, the two. And again, the witness was um, an arm's length. Literally, he could touch out and, and, and could touch David on the shoulder if he wanted to. That's how close he was. Exactly. And that's what people got to understand as well. So if you're in the SUV, and you're in the back. You have your two children with you. The police officers in the front. I mean, you can see you're right there. I mean, the 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 struggle happened right there. David Jones ran from that point. When he ran, Ryan Powell now ran after him, pulled out his weapon, and shot David Jones thirty feet away. Mm. And so, and just to add to the, the last point on the bad judgment thing, um, you know, one one more point from the grand jury report in the testimony. Uh, instead of turning left to go to SVU. Now, mind you, Ike, you, uh, you said earlier that they were 40 seconds from SVU because here in the during grand jury report, a, a left turn would have bought them there, right? Instead of turning left to go to SVU, Pownow cut across the oncoming traffic, headed south on Whitaker and into the lot of Casa Diaz Banana. So even before pulling the trigger and putting the witnesses, there, he cuts across oncoming traffic. Right, now let, let me paint the picture for the people. Let me tell him what happened. Uh, so Ryan Powell now, they're coming. Uh, he's going westbound on Huntington Park. For him to cut over to the traffic to get on Whitaker because Whitaker goes southbound, southbound, northbound. So he was he, if he would have made the left on um, on Whitaker, it would have taken him right to the, uh, you know, to the SVU unit, like they said. So mm -hmm. he went across, right, so he went across two lanes of traffic to come over to the restaurant because you know how the restaurant is. You see where it's at over there. Everybody know where happened that. Mm -hmm. So he was going up. So we all know about that section over there. Imagine going right, you riding up Hunting Park, going westbound. You see David Jones over there. So you go over 
the lane of traffic going back down eastbound, down Huntington Park, and you go over the two lanes of traffic that's going, um, so what would that be, uh, northbound on Whitaker as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And went over there to the restaurant. So that's what happened. So, again, bad judgment because he could have endangered people with that. You talk about driving that. erratically. He was the one driving erratically that day. Right? Remember we said that. Remember when they said he cut through all them lanes of traffic? We said, what did we hear somebody doing that? So like, again, he could have cops bang out all the time. Another pattern of bad judgment. It was possible that, that pound now, and, you know, God shined his mercy that day. But it was possible that a lot of people on June 8th could have been injured by one reckless gentleman. Yeah, now, gentleman is, is, gentleman is not even worth using that word, by one reckless asshole. Yeah, he's definitely not a gentleman. One reckless piece of shit. <laughs> right so, now, hell without Bell or CFCF, you son of a bitch. So I can speak to that a bit, you know, because again, you know, we're going to be, we're leading up to the preliminary trial hearing, which is um, uh, this Friday, the, the 14th. Tomorrow, Ike and I will break down the actual shooting and the testimony around that and the controversy around that. Uh, Wednesday, we'll cover the protest. And Thursday, we'll cover the indictment and, and those types of things. But, but, but since you brought it up, you know, you know CFCF. What is Ryan Panow experiencing? What the fuck does that mean? I know CFCF. Like, well, I mean, come on, Flood. I'm you told to, me before. I'm trying know- to change my life. We had to say it like that. <laughs> I'm putting it in that you, you can speak better to, to, right. to it than I can. Well, well, right now, yeah, I definitely can speak to it. Right now, what's going on with Ryan Powell now, he's currently in protective custody because he's a police officer. It's a high-profile case. So he's mm-hmm. in a cell, locked in 23 hours a day. He may come out for an hour just to use the phone, maybe watch a little TV or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets fed. When he gets his meals, they serve it through a slot in his door. If you guys ever seen the movies or whatever, when you see the slot, when they open up mm-hmm. the slot and slip Stuck the tray through the, through the uh, mill slot. That's how he's been. That's how he's been served his meals. Uh, mm. he, he doesn't get to see his family yet because he's on quarantine. Well, he's been there for tomorrow. Well, yeah. So coming up, he probably should get a visit probably next week. You know, so he has no visits yet. No, you can't give visits when you first get there because you're on quarantine uh, and everything like that. But you know, he's a police officer. Well, he used to be a police officer. So I mean, he may get special favors, but the, the way the prison jail cell system works, they don't really too much cater to killer cops. And so okay. he, he he got a rough path coming towards him. So that's why he's in protective custody to keep him safe, first of all. I'm glad that you used that word. And that, this will be a great way to kind of, you know, end it and, 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 and give a preview of tomorrow. He is, it, it is not, um, it is no longer hyperbole or controversial to, to call him a, a killer criminal cop. This is a cop indicted on homicide. That's true. Yeah. It's true. It's a fact. Right. By law. Yeah, he's in jail. Hell without bail. He's, you know, it is what it is. That's what he is. He's charged with murder, first degree murder. Mm. Any last thoughts on, on the uh, the witness before we close? I, I just want to mention, too, for people who don't understand this, um, and I know, Aki, when I say this, you'll probably want to add to it. Those children were promised services from the city of Philadelphia. That family was promised services from the city of Philadelphia. And when I talked to the witness upon the indictment being disclosed, he told me that the children still can't go to that neighborhood without feeling anxious and uneasy. And that fireworks sound like gunshots to them. That the part of their childhood has been robbed by this guy. And again, I just don't think that people understand the, the gravity of everything that he did that day. 
and the families that were affected as a result of this guy. One guy. One guy's bad judgment. One one piece of shit, man. And, and, and you know, it's really fucked up. And like I said, we want we definitely appreciate Terrence, man. We definitely appreciate his family. And you know, hopefully, you know, one day his kids will be able to move on and they, they will never forget about it. But yeah. I mean, you know, one day they'll be able to move on and, you know, just you know, get 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 their life better than what it is right now because these are children we're talking about. I mean, people gotta mm-hmm. really understand like what what if this was happening to my child or somebody else's child, your niece, your niece, one of your nieces or nephews, blood, like they're traumatized, mm-hmm. man. Just just to hear them, just to hear them say when they hear fireworks, they get nervous, they start crying, like they can't go outside, mm-hmm. they can't go mm-hmm. back to that. This is real, man. And this mm-hmm. is what we've been dealing with when we found out about it from day one. So, like I said in the beginning when we started, if y'all wanted to know why we were so passionate, why we were so upset, because it's a lot of layers. This wasn't just a black man being killed by a cop at a traffic stop. Mm. And you notice, you and I, we spent 37 minutes talking about this. We've never brought up the race. Because to us, it wasn't about anybody being racist. This was bad judgment. I said that bad the other day. I said, when I first seen the video, I said, I didn't know David Jones was black, white, whatever. I, I just seen a man running and being shot in his back. I didn't know. Even, you know, when you hear me in the video, I'm saying, I said, make, make this man life matter. Because I didn't mm. even know his name. I didn't know he was race, whatever. Like, I didn't say this black man. You mm. know what I'm saying? I just seen a man being killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I, I guess the one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about, um, can you just also give our listeners a little bit of um, insight into how, because the witness, the witness came forward, um, you know, he had a lot of media that was, you know, driving around his house trying to talk to him, you know, one of the reporters from NBC 10, but he decided to talk to me and gave me the exclusive story, and that story was published on Philly Magazine. Uh, phillymag.com on June 26th uh, with the headline eyewitness to police shooting of dirt biker disputes official account. You were actually holding a rally at the 15th district, Ike, the day that that story was published. At, at, almost at the moment it was published, right? Yeah, that was the next week. We had the first protest on the 19th and the next week was the 26th, that Monday, yeah. That so, Monday. T- I, I was there at the first protest, that 17th, uh, the 19th, but tell me about how the public received the eyewitness testimony at, at the rally. Cause I mean, that's kind of magical for all that to come together like that. Yeah. It was basically when we were, uh, I'm glad you brought that up too, Flo. Uh, basically when we, uh, the rally was getting ready to end, um, I got the article. I think you had sent it to me mm-hmm. and I read it out. I had read it out loud before everybody's about to leave. You know, his mom was out, David Jones, mom was out there, stepmom's dad and everybody, you know, family. And, you know, just from them hearing like, Oh man, it was like, you know, that, that's when everybody, Publicly, you know, we knew, but that was publicly everybody was like, it's a witness. Like, you know, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a witness who really, I mean, fighting for my family, fighting for my brother. Like, he, he going to step up. And that moment was so, like, dramatic. It was so crazy because that's that's what I knew, like, at that point in time. Like, we talked about this earlier. Like, that's when I knew that day when, you know, when they heard that, that's when I knew that justice was going to be served because I knew mm. the man is willing to stand up like that and saying, look, no, I seen this. I know what happened. This was not right. And I want to stand up and fight. This was only 18 days later after David Jones was killed. Mm. Like they said, now he's been public with it. He letting y'all know, like, no, oh, I want to speak, and we we mm-hmm. gonna get into more of that as well. To talk about the protests and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that definitely was a historic day that day, man. Just to you know be able to get the news like that because, like I say, you the, the way the whole you know thing was ran with you know what we was doing with the protests. It was a lot of stuff we were doing that people never seen before. It was a lot mm. of information being given that people never knew. I'm saying a lot of ways he was doing stuff, so that was another way of. I mean, just give. So you saw? Did you see hope 
and people's yeah. eyes when they realized the witness came forward. Right. That's what I'm saying. It was just like, that's what I'm saying. It was like, you, you never see this before. Like, if a cop kills somebody, it's like, all right, what happened? Mm. First of all, we got a video. Now we got a witness and a video. So that's mm. why I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you don't have a video most of the time. Now you got a witness and a video. Now, if you, sometimes if you do got a witness, they'll back off or they'll get threatened. But he said, no, yes, people have been threatening me and everything. But as long as flood, flood, you got me, it's cool. And that's what he told you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, man, we want to thank Terrence and his family, you know, because it took a it took a, a team of them to 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 support that young brother while he um because this is a young family. You yeah. know I mean? This isn't this isn't you know elders, this is a young family with even younger children. And yeah. they live a very unassuming life in the northeast section of Philadelphia. Um you know, they're not celebrities. They're not on TV. They don't have any affiliation with, with, with a political activism. They're just a regular family. They work hard every day. They raise their kids. They cook food for their children. They play games with them. They're normal families. They're your neighbors. They're your neighbors. And they went through a traumatic experience. And even in the midst of that trauma, Terrence found a reason to serve and found a greater cause to believe in. And to me, that's, that makes him one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we we thank him for everything he's done. Thank the family as well, man. But it's not over. People don't people people gotta understand. Like we really need the support from the public, from you know whoever can help the family out because this is traumatic. What happened, man? And they they're gonna live through this, like I said, for the rest of their lives. But hopefully they can you know move on and you know get it together, man. But it's it's tough, man. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any last words, Ikean? How can people get in touch with you? Um, man, once again, I just want to say, man, shout out to Terrence, shout out to his family, man, shout out to everybody that was involved in, you know, everything leading up to what we're going to get into this week, man. This is a big week for the city of Philadelphia. It was historic mm-hmm. what happened. I mean, it was only one cop in 1999 was charged, like you said, but, you know, unfortunately, they threw it out at the preliminary. This preliminary is coming up Friday, so let's see what happens. But, I mean, Ike Raw, I'm on social media, I'm on Twitter, man, at Ike Raw 1977, uh, Instagram, Facebook. At North Philly, Ike Raw. Raw Talk with Ike Raw is the podcast. Make sure y'all download that uh, YouTube channel, Ike Raw TV as well. Uh, Ike Raw TV with Neff will be coming back next Monday. Uh, so Nice. Uh, September 17th, so make sure y'all tune in. Nice. And, of course, you guys can follow me across social media, at Flood the Drummer. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn as well, um, at Flood the Drummer. Uh, subscribe to the Drumming for Justice podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and wherever else podcasts are available. If you are an iPad, an iPhone user, add Techbook Online to your Apple News Reader so you can keep up with what's happening in the city and around the world every day. And uh, Ike Roth, thank you so much for your time. As always, looking forward to talking with you tomorrow and focusing on the shooting aspect where we'll be diving more into the grand jury testimony. And again, if you want to read the story about Terrence, uh, when he officially uh, disclosed his side of the story, on it was published on June 26, 2017, uh, to phillymag.com, phillymag.com, under the headline, Eyewitness to Police Shooting of Dirt Biker Rider Disputes Official Account. For Ike Raw, I'm Flood the Drummer. Until next time, I'm Drumming for Justice. <laughs>